Thank you very much, Pam. Thank you very much for clapping the two people that are here. I appreciate that immensely. Um, hello, Grace Christian Church. It's wonderful to be able to come into your homes once again and be able to fellowship with you, even if it is online. Uh, we are so thankful for the resources that have been made available to be able to come directly to you and be able to share in this time of fellowship and worship together. Um, just if you get a chance, send a text to the likes of Joyce and, and Brad and Cass and Chris. Um, it was really interesting watching what's going on uh, because trying to get all of this working out, but, which is really interesting because we've been doing this series on the core values and, and what's of interest to me is that with the core values, yes, we may know them. We see things that are recognized, but we fail to actually demonstrate or work as effectively as what these core values indicate. Let me explain. Um, watching Cass and Joyce while they were doing the music slides for Caris, they couldn't hear Caris. So what they had to do was actually watch Caris and read her lips and start singing the songs so that Cass would then know when to change the slides. And you probably didn't know this at home, but they actually did really, really well. Was it ideal? No. But we may do with what was available to us. Now, here's the thing. When we look at the core values, it's essentially like what Cass and Joyce were doing. We're just reading the lips. And that's what we do with our core values. We look at what the words say. We understand what the words mean. But we fail to live and exercise as effectively or as efficiently as what those core values demonstrate. And so I would encourage you, yes, know what our core values are as a church. Know what our core values are as a Christian but it really is only as effective as what we're able to demonstrate and live out in life. With that in mind, we have today a friend of mine, uh, another Polynesian boy by the name of Henry. Henry has spoken with us once before, and I'm going to hand it over to him, who's going to share with us our sixth core value, that of love and authenticity, what I've learned to determine as the marks of the church. So with that, thank you very much for taking the time, Henry. I want to hand things over to you now. Well, good morning, church. Um, some of you may remember me before. My name's Henry Earl Simpson. I came and spoke, I uh, can't remember, a wee, a wee while back, but um, Pastor Joe's asked me to come and speak again. And I'm going to be speaking on one of your guys' core values, and that is love and authenticity to permeate across all genders, cultures, races, generations, and socioeconomic statuses, which is an awesome um, goal, I guess. And for me, um, it's a big part of what um, helped form my ministry is the idea of how to love across, and for me, my story, um, especially culture and across, um, I guess, even races, being that I'm from New Zealand. So the first thing I was thinking of was in order to be able to permeate this love across all these different barriers that we, you guys have, I think you have to have your supernatural identity must supersede that of your natural identity. So instead of seeing yourself in um, your natural identity, in other words, your identity on earth, maybe within your family, your culture, your nation, you have to begin to go, no, that's actually my secondary identity, my primary identity, who I truly am, is actually my supernatural identity. That is which my identity is, which is formed in Christ. And so, easier to be said than done. It's like a theological truth, but in order to actually fully live out that, um, I think you have to 
begin to go on a bit of a journey of seeking out who you are spiritually. And for me, this occurred when I, when I moved to Australia, one of the things that I found hard was being in a different culture. The Australian culture, um, the area which I was in was predominantly white, Caucasian, um, and then Australian. So it was just, as much as I was trying to fit in, it was just not me, not who I am. It kind of just the vibe wasn't quite me, if that makes any sense. And so when I was going to church, yes, I was going to church because I was a Christian and I believed in God. And I was like, yeah, 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 we believe all the same thing, yada, yada, yada. But there was a part of me that just sort of withheld because I didn't quite fit in with the community with these people because they just weren't me. They weren't my, my islander people who I saw myself as. And so being a Pacific Islander, this was my culture was a big part of who I, who I was raised to be. And so I was always kind of like, yeah, this is nice, but it'd be good if I could go to a Pacific Island church where everyone understood me and I could get along. You know, people always would say, oh, I know this guy, you'd be good mates with him, he's from New Zealand. I'm like, just because he's from New Zealand doesn't mean we're all going to get along, right? And then they would introduce me to the guy and sure enough, <laughs> it was easy to get along with him because, you know, culturally we understood each other. And so I remember one day I was just in church and I was just thinking, God, I don't, I don't really like this, this vibe anymore. I'm, I'm not really feeling it. And I remember he spoke to me quite clearly. He said, Henry, you're not a Pacific Islander. And I'm like, hey, yes, I am. I'm a Pacific Islander. What do you mean, God? He said, yes, you are. But primarily, first and foremost, you're a child of God and I'm your father. You're my child and I'm your father. And that was, that was a huge, but that was a revelation that something hit me within the spirit. Now, I'm telling you about it, but it's not quite the same as actually going through it. And I was just like, wow. And I got the revelation. Oh, wow. I'm a child and he's my father. That's who I really am. My Pacific Island culture was like secondary to that. You might even say it didn't matter anymore. It's kind of the way I felt. And it just helped me within the church that I was at, within the white Australian culture, that it's okay. I can let go of these things. Part of being a Pacific Islander was this idea that I was kind of cool, I was gangster, I was tough, a brown guy, ooh, big deal. And um, just letting go of that trash and just going, you know what? The kingdom of God is made up of all races, cultures and nations. And if you hold on to your natural identity, you'll never live out, live out your supernatural identity. And so I want to encourage you to get a grasp of who, who are you supernaturally? And to, be, to begin to put that primary, put that first. And that's the way we embrace different cultures and genders and socioeconomic statuses. Because if you stay in the natural, you'll only produce fruit in keeping with the natural. But if you move into your supernatural identity, now we can actually love across these barriers. Because the barriers don't exist. Once you understand, man, I'm just lucky to be in the kingdom. The kingdom of God is so good and I'm just part of it. Praise the Lord, I'm here. Let me love this brother over here. Yeah, he's white. Too bad. Let me love him. Let me love this brother over here. Yeah, he's different to me. Too bad. Let me love him. Um, yeah. So your supernatural identity must supersede your natural identity. And that's easier said than done. I believe it's part of the journey you've got to go on. And for me, it came through revelation. I think God knew that I wasn't just going to accept the truth within my 
rationale that I needed something different to, to touch, cut to the heart. Um, and so what a, one of the things I was thinking of is having a Ruth mentality. If you've read the book of Ruth and you understand um, the book, the chapter one, where Naomi, she's just lost her husband and she's got her two daughter-in-laws who have both lost their, their husbands, which is Naomi's two sons. And she's just um, going on a journey and she, she turns to Ruth and Opa and she says, you guys go away. There's no point going with me. I've got nothing I can't look after you. Um, it's very dire for me. And Opa, she takes the arm. Um, she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm out. She takes off. But Ruth, being a Moabite, she actually says to Naomi, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. And it's an awesome way of thinking about it, because she's saying, even though I'm a Moabite, I'm going to go and embrace your culture, Naomi. I'm going to go embrace your people. Where you go, I'm going to go. And we all know what ends up in the book of Ruth. She goes on to be a part of the, the line of Judah, essentially. But... It's cool with that mentality because we can have the same mentality when it comes to embracing God. We can say, God, wherever you take me in this world, I will go. Wherever you stay, I will stay. The people that you put me around, they shall be my people. I will embrace the community and the people that you put me around. And your people shall be my people. So just think about that. Just a little thought there. Um, second point. <clears throat> If we're going to grow in love to permeate across all these different barriers, one of the ways you grow in love, I believe, is that you have to learn how to carry the weight of your community. You have to learn how to carry weight, how to bear burdens, how to um, take another brother or sister and say, I'm going to help and it's going to cost me. I'm going to help and it's going to cost me. And I think of this sermon illustration that I heard not long ago. My wife actually told me, she said, she told me the story of, there's three guys and they're traveling up the mountains and they're far from their cabin where they've left a nice stoked fire for when they get back and they get caught in a blizzard. So there's this blizzard going, it's white out, they can't see and they're just, they're, they're a bit worried because they're like, we could die out here. So they start trudging back towards their camp as best they can. <clears throat> After a while, one of the guys actually starts to shake, gets a bit of frostbite on his uh, fingers, let's say. And he can't walk anymore. He starts to go into a bit of shock and he can't walk. And so the two other guys, they start taking turns carrying. Two or three hours later, these two guys look at each other like, we're going to die out here. We're going to die out here. And one of them starts saying, we're going to die if we don't hurry up and find We need to put him down. And the other guy's like, we can't, just leave, we can't just leave him here to die. What are you thinking? And the other guy, he's still conscious. He's like, don't leave me, don't leave me. After, and so they keep going. After a while, the other guy decides, nah, we're, we're all going to die. I'm going to take off. So he takes off, walking a little bit faster than them because he's not carrying anyone anymore. And he goes. And so the other guy's like, oh, well, what do we do? I'm just going to carry this guy as far as I can. So he keeps carrying, gets up to the top of his um, hill, and he sees the cabin. He's like, I've made it. So he keeps going. He's got this guy on his back. He's like, I've made it. He can feel it. That he's still alive, he's breathing, you can feel the heat on his back. And he starts saying, hey, we made it, we made it. 
Just as they were about to get to the cabin, they noticed on the ground there's a lump, and the guy who had taken off, he actually passed away, frozen on the ground. And so I guess the moral of the story, as I see it, is that when you take off and try to do things on your own, especially spiritually, when you isolate, when you try and think, I'm going to love people on my own without anyone around me, you end up dying. You have to be able to carry the weight of someone else in order to, I guess, um, grow. There's a part of you that grows. When the other guy was carrying, their combined body heat kept them both alive. And it's, it's, it's almost the same with our faith, that we keep each other alive. We are part of the body. We must learn to carry the weight of the community. And oftentimes, the worst part of that story is that oftentimes the people that God asks us to carry, we didn't even get along with that much. We didn't even really like them. And yet we're in this community and God said, here's someone I want you to help carry. You're like, oh, God, really? It's like, yeah, really, this is where I put you. You're like, oh, all right. And if you think about it, whenever God calls people in the Bible, there was always a reason they couldn't do it. And yet God still asks them to do it. And so we have to be able to carry the weight of our brothers and sisters as part of our community. Because if we can't love each other in this little church, if I can't get along with my brother here, I'm not saying we're going to be best friends, but we have to learn to love to carry the weight, right? If we can't love each other, how are we going to love out there? I mean, one of the, one of the biggest testimonies we have is this, by our love one for another, they, the world, will know that we are disciples. In other words, the love we have for each other will permeate out to them without us even trying to love them. They'll just sit and go, okay, they've got something. And so the way we permeate love and authenticity across all these barriers is we have to learn how to love each other and how do we love each other? We must learn how to carry one another, to carry weight. And just like that guy would have been in that blizzard, it's hard. There's some hard yards and it's constant and it's every day, and it's every week, and it's every year, and it's year upon year, and it's year upon year, and it just never stops. You have to be able to go, yep, I'm up, I'll carry some weight today. I'll carry some weight today. I'll carry some weight today. And the ultimate example of that is obviously who? Jesus, who carried the weight of us on his shoulders when he went to the cross. And so we look at his example and we say, God, let me be like Jesus. Let me carry my way. Let me carry my cross today. Awesome. Um, yeah, when I, as I was thinking about this idea of carrying the weight of others, it's one of the things that God does is he increases our capacity to love. The longer you follow, you'll notice that. I remember a couple of years back that um, I saw this lady, she's carrying groceries and she looked like she was struggling back to the car. And I'm kind of a nervous guy. I don't want to run away pop up to people and like, hey, can I help you? I'm not one of those people, but I just saw her and I thought, Henry, just help me if you can. So I just went up to excuse me, can I um, help you carry your groceries back to your bag? She was like, no, thank you. And I was like, I think you are. <laughs> I think she was, you know, looked at me and was like, oh, you're probably going to take the groceries back to his own car. But anyway, that was cool. And then a few weeks later, I saw another old lady. She was, um, must have fresh out of an Audi sale. She's trying to put this 50-inch TV in the back of her little sedan. <laughs> And obviously it didn't fit and she was trying to struggle it out of the, uh, the shopping trolley and I said to her hey can I help you put that in there and she was like yeah sure yes please 
I started trying to help him put it in and I realized, nah, this ain't going to fit. You need to, do you have a son or grandson that can come and help you pick this up? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to ring blah, blah, blah. So that was cool. But I, mean, I remember thinking, why am I seeing these people all of a sudden? And I feel like God was saying, I'm starting to open your eyes to the people around you that need help. It was a small thing. And it was like, it's like God is showing me my capacity to love other people has grown. Because if you rewind 10 years ago, these people, I didn't even see these people. It was just like, I'm just, what's Henry's world? What does what Henry want? You know, I didn't see no buildings across. I mean, were they there before? For sure. Did I see them? No, I didn't. Because my capacity to love had grown. And so I just think as we learn to carry the, the weight of other people, your capacity to love will grow and your opportunities around you will grow. And you'll see things more than you saw before. And I just think, you know, there's nothing more pleasing to God than to see his sons or daughters loving his other sons and daughters. I've got a son. Uh, his name's Asher, and I've got another little son called Hadley. And I just love to see my son share with my other son, to give him things, because he's always taking. But when he shares, I'm like, thank you, Asher, that was beautiful. This is, a, this is a touching thing to see your children loving your other children. And that's exactly how God sees us when we love other people. So just, yeah, cool. My last point is this. And I just want to share with you guys. Um, this is a scripture, a passage of scripture that I um, ran into many years ago. I was at a friend's house and I just looked on the wall and they had... Um, this girl had written out the scripture, and I read it, and I thought, boom. It was almost like God was saying to me, Henry, this is what community is. This is what love looks like when it permeates across all different um, barriers. And I said, wow. <coughs> so that, consequently, this is my favorite passage of scripture in um, the New Testament. I'm not going to go all the way through it, but I just want to read it out to you. So listen to this. This is from Romans chapter 12. Verses 9 all the way to 21. And it says this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. So there you go. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Maybe that's the way we make our love sincere. By hating evil and clinging to what is good. Yeah, that could be a thought. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I love that scripture. I often say to my youth leaders, because I'm the youth minister at my church, I often say to them, before you come to youth tonight, take a bit of time to sit in your car and go to church. And they say, oh, what does that mean? I was like, just sit all your heart before the Lord, because I want you to come in with zeal. I want you to come in with energy, enthusiasm, ready to go, ready to interact, ready to love the youth, ready to do whatever your job is tonight. I want you to come in with energy. Don't be coming in, oh, it's Friday, I've had a long week, I'm tired, blah, 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 bro. No, come in with zeal. So sit in the car, do whatever you need to do, have an energy drink, I don't know what y'all need to do, but go do something, and then so that when you come to the community, you're coming in ready to carry weight, ready to lift, um, lift some chairs, do something. But yeah, <clears throat> never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. 
practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Amen. You know the um, shortest verse? Jesus wept. He wasn't afraid to weep, to mourn with people. You ever go to a funeral? You know the Bible says about funerals, it says, It is better to go to the house of mourning than it is to the house of pleasure. For the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of the fool is in the house of pleasure. For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. In other words, everyone's going to die. What are you doing with your life right now? I remember at my sister's funeral, she's younger than me. She died, I think it was 2015, of cancer. I came away and I thought, I wish I was more loving, I wish I was more kind, and I wish I was more patient with her. Three things I took away. Because when I was in the house of mourning, I was thinking, what do I learn from here, God? What are you teaching me? And these are the things he taught me. He said, love, kind, and patience. Isn't that funny? So have you ever a chance to mourn with someone? Mourn with them. Embrace it. Go to the house of mourning. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What a beautiful passage. So this is chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. And so I want to challenge you to read that passage. And when you read it, just get the vibe of it. There's a vibe in that passage. And that vibe that you get from it, that's what you want to bring to your community. That's kind of what our church wants to be. That's what I think your church wants to be. That kind of vibe is the type of vibe that's going to permeate across all those barriers. Even the barriers you didn't, you didn't list on here. And so... If I was to recap, <coughs> that your supernatural identity supersedes that of your natural identity. And so maybe we'll start with understanding that logically and rationally and telling yourself, no, this is my supernatural identity. Um, but the, the problem is a lot of your natural identity is a default. And so the, the only way to break the default is you need a miracle. You're like, God, I need you to do something here. Because this is who I am, this is what I know, I'm an island, I'm a fob. Unless you do something in me, I'm just going to be this way. And so I, for me, it required a revelation. And so I think, pray for that. Say, God, give me a revelation for my supernatural identity. Help me to live in who you've made me to be, and not who I think I am. Um, have that Ruth mentality. And then, if you want to grow in love, learn to carry weight. Learn to be someone who's here to do some work. I'm ready to um, love you, my brother, my sister. And yes, I know I can't, I'm not going to be your best friend. And yes, you're a little bit of one of those people that I don't really get along with, but I'm happy to carry the weight. I'll do the work. And as we do that, our capacity loves, 
our capacity to to love will grow and as our capacity to love grows our opportunities to love out there in the world will grow and so we're walking in to the world bringing the kingdom culture around us and then the last one Romans chapter 12 get that in you Romans chapter 12 this is 9 to 21 get that community vibe in you that when you read through that you see oh wow imagine if we were like that imagine if we didn't consider ourselves first in all situations because a lot of times we just do it by default don't we I mean, it's not as if I've done all this, but it's, it's almost like this is my goal. This is where I'm heading. I can see it. I can always feel it. I know what the vibe is. And so I'm going to keep pushing until I see this happen. And so, yeah, let me just close in prayer. And I just want to thank Pastor Joe for giving me this opportunity to uh, the editing team. Feel free to edit out any little mistakes. Uh, make it all look good if you can want to put it look type of beauty filter, please feel free to do that, give me something going on with my hair, maybe take these bags out, but <laughs> let me just pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this church, Lord. Thank you for this church. Lord, I pray your favour upon them, your blessing upon them. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. And I just pray, Lord, that you would help this goal of love and authenticity just to permeate through each and every one of them lord or that they might be a light in their community lord i pray that you just increase their capacity of love day by day week by week year by year help them to carry weight lord we praise you and we give you thanks in all things lord jesus we love you lord we praise you amen Peace. And I think it's a really appropriate word for our church right now, especially with these lockdowns, especially how we are disconnected physically, but we can be connected virtually. Um, I'm really challenged with what Henry shared with us today because we need this love and authenticity today. We need this demonstrated in how we bear each other's burdens. We need this demonstrated in how we see our identity, that our supernatural identity takes priority over our natural identity, that we might grow in our capacity to love, that this is the most ideal time for it. I, I, I really like the comment he made about how our default, we need to go against our natural defaults. We need to go against what's easy for us, whether we're feeling comfortable, whether we can't just be bothered, I mean, we often hear, give somebody a text. We often hear, give somebody a call. We often hear, send someone an email. Let people know that they're being thought of or that they've been prayed for. But our default is, nah, someone else will do it. Our default is, I'll do it tomorrow. Our default is, I, I can't be bothered. That's our natural. That's what we need to fight against. That's what we are willing to accept. And I pray that we truly will be loving and authentic because that's who our Lord Jesus was toward us. I want to share one brief story before I close in prayer. And I really want to take this. I was talking with someone from the church just recently. 
and this person shared with everything that's been taught as we're going through our core values and, and the emphasis time and time again from the pulpit, from Henry today, from myself over the past few weeks, was always like, we always talk about for others, about being there for others, about loving others, about forgiving one another, about accepting one another, and this person shared, and yet I experience none of that others from anybody. And they, they, they shared their heart and said how no one contacts me. No one talks to me. And they felt isolated and alone. Brothers and sisters, that shouldn't be so. As, as Henry shared, if it's not happening within the body of Christ, it's not happening within the church, then how on earth are we supposed to demonstrate such love to those outside? So let's fight against the default. Let's fight against our natural identities, our natural comfort and laziness, and, and rather submit ourselves to the supernatural to the power of the Spirit, to our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. So with that, brothers and sisters, I pray you've taken something from this that might draw us close to him and that we might actually be doers of the word instead of hearers only. So I'd just like to bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for the challenge that was laid forth from our brother Henry this morning. And we ask, Lord, that we will not just be hearers of your word, but doers of it. That we will fight against our natural inclinations, our natural defaults, and rather submit ourselves in obedience to your word, that we're responsive to the power of your spirit. And, Father, that we will seek your purposes above all else. Father, we ask you have your will be done on earth. Your will be done in our lives. Your will be done in GCC as it is in heaven. So we ask you to dismiss us now and pray that as we leave here, we, Father, will be conformed and be more like your Son, Jesus Christ, not only in attitude, not only in heart, but also in action. Please dismiss us now. Glorify yourself. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much for that, brothers and sisters. Um, once again, send a text to the AV team. Send a text to people. So the guys that did a lot of hard work here to get this running. And we look to carry on. And prayerfully, things will be ended by Friday so we can start meeting together in person. God bless. Have a good week. And let's be loving and authentic. See you later.